Hello, I'm Joe Cadwell, host of Grit Northwest. You can find my show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast directory. Grit Northwest is now part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, where you can discover other union-specific shows to help you learn more about organized labor movements across the nation and around the world. It's one-stop shopping at its best. Just visit laborradionetwork.org. Once on the main page, click on a logo that interests you and a show description with hyperlinks will magically appear. How easy is that, right? So ditch the TV and grab those earbuds to hear the collective voices of workers from around the globe demanding fair treatment from their workplaces and elected officials. Join us at laborradionetwork.org. And until next time, this is Joe Cadwell reminding you to work safe, work smart, and stay union strong. BCTGM Voices Project, a podcast highlighting the real people who make up our union, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers. I'm Michelle Ellis, Director of Digital Media. I will bring the work of our union to you through monthly interviews with the BCTGM's hardworking leaders, organizers, and everyday members. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. We did a deep dive on politics with this episode, and I had a few goals in mind while I had the attention of experts from both our union, the BCTGM, and the AFL-CIO. I wanted to address some misunderstandings I often see on the BCTGM social media posts to review and give an update on our union's three-and-a-half-year fight for pension reform, to explain the PRO Act and the importance of securing this legislation for our movement, and to celebrate the work that was done by labor and our own organizers in the Georgia runoff election. That race, of course, making all the difference in the legislative progress that we're seeing now. We had five guests ranging from staff people to activists for this one. Harry Kaiser is the political director and the assistant to BCTGM President Anthony Shelton. John Price, of course, is the BCTGM's organizing director. David Driscoll Knight is the East Region Field Director for the AFL-CIO. Richard Womack is the Assistant to AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka. Jared Cummings is a rank-and-file organizer with BCTGM Local 53 and sits on their executive board. And Margaret McLaughlin is an international rep slash organizer for the BCTGM. As you listen, if you like what you hear, you can screenshot the episode share it on social media, copy the link, and text it to a friend. Also, the BCTGM Voices Project is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. So whatever platform you've chosen today, be sure to leave a rating and review to help us build our audience. With that, here are Harry, John, David, Richard, Margaret, and Jared. Like I said, we're going to start with Harry. There is a very common accusation that I hear that the union uses my dues only to endorse Democrats. 
So I want to kind of split this into two questions. What would you say to people who believe that our endorsements are party-based? Well, I would say that's not true. Our endorsements are based on one thing and one thing only, which candidates will support working families, working people, unions, and the mission of the BCTGM and our legislative priorities. That's what it's based on. We look at candidates, we assess candidates all the time. It's not automatic. They have to be for what's best for our union and for our members. So I understand that. And people look at it and say, well, all your endorsements are Democrats. We haven't found the Republicans yet who will be with us on the issues that matter to our union, not the issues that matter generally, but we have to look at it as an organization at those issues that affect BCTGM families directly, whether it's uh, organizing in the PRO Act, whether it's pension legislation, whether it's tax policy for working families, um, whether it's education policy as it relates to the ability for, for working people to send their kids to college, whatever it is, that's how we look at the issues. How does it relate to the BCTGM and our industries and our members and their families? Got it. And then on the other issue is the funding. Can you explain? Our PAC funds are not made up of union dues. Absolutely not. That's not legal. Uh, all of our contributions that go to candidates, federal candidates only, U.S. House of Representatives, U.S. Senate, some instances the uh, presidential, those contributions come for, from BCTGM PAC, our political action committee, and the money that comes there is voluntarily contributed by our members, and they sign a card that says that they want a certain amount of money from their paycheck sent to BCTGM PAC voluntarily. There is no obligation. And that's the only dollars that are used for candidate contributions at all. Uh, sometimes members uh, will, will send us checks uh, and their families, and it can only come from BCTGM members for BCTGM PAC. That's, that's how it works. So the anti-union crowd will, will try and make the case that it's union dues are going for politics, not in our union. It's only voluntary dollars. Yeah. And then you also make the point very, very frequently that we only donate during election years. We, normally, uh, most of our contributions come in the election year itself because we know that the election cycle is two years and in the first year of the election cycle, anything can happen. We want to see the essentially the full voting record of, of an elected official and see how that, that person does in terms of voting on issues that matter to the BCDGM and to the labor movement. So that's why the vast majority of our contributions are made in the election year. And we've also seen sometimes candidates uh, decide not to run halfway through the, uh, the election cycle or something comes up where they decide to run for another office. So that's why we, we try our best to husband our resources for the election year itself. Okay, so I want you to talk about pension reform. We've been in this fight for three and a half years, at the forefront of it, really. And it looks like it's going to come through in the American Rescue Plan, which uh, will you just talk about where that's at? Yeah, yeah it's an amazing story. And it's things coming together, politics and legislation in a way I've not seen it in my 40 plus years of, of experience uh, working on these issues. It was extraordinary. Uh, as you say, we've been working our union and the labor movement on trying to get 
pension solvency legislation, meaning funding for, that will provide long-term solvency for many multi-employer pension funds, as well as some single-employer pension funds that have been facing enormous difficulties financially through no fault of the retirees or the union or the employer participants. What happened was for our fund, the BNC fund, the 2008 uh, Great Recession was a tremendous hit on our major pension fund, the BNC fund, which was caused by Wall Street fraud. And then our largest employer at the time in 2012, 2011-12, getting out of the fund, going bankrupt, and because our bankruptcy laws are so broken in this country that the bankruptcy judge allowed the old hostess branch to walk away from $1 billion with a B dollars in pension withdrawal liability, which was a tremendous hit on our pension fund. So our retirees, the fund, the long-term health of the fund was put in jeopardy by these actions. And the labor movement has been fighting for the last three and a half years on legislation that will provide funding and solvency long-term for the funds. And the goal, of course, was that there be no cuts in benefits to the retirees, the active workers who are waiting, hoping for their day to be retired and, and the retirees. And, and over the last three years, we've been working on this, as I said, in the last two years, the U.S. House of Representatives, under the leadership of Speaker Pelosi, sent pension solvency legislation to the Senate three different times, three different times, plans that would have worked for our fund as well as others. And each time those bills went to die in the Senate controlled by Mitch McConnell. Today, literally possibly today, tonight or tomorrow, the House will pass in its American Recovery Plan legis uh, legislation included is a provision that will protect the long-term solvency of, of pension funds through the year 2051 with no cuts in benefits. The government will be standing up for the retirees as it should and protecting their, their health and their financial well-being. This is only possible. This day is only possible that we got it through the Senate because of the change in Senate leadership going from Republican and Mitch McConnell, who said no, no, no to pension uh, reform legislation to help our people, and Chuck Schumer as the new leader. And he got it through the Senate the way that Speaker Pelosi got it through the House. They were both determined. And a lot of it had to do with the uh, tremendous leadership, uh, not just in our union, uh, President Shelton, Secretary Treasurer Woods, who we take a lot of pride in our political action program and under their leadership and our field staff, everybody working on this, and also the tremendous leadership of President Trump of the AFL-CIO. He was determined and relentless to make sure that this happened. But we would not even be having this discussion if it were not for the tremendous victories in Georgia in the special elections that gave two Democratic senators, flipped the power in the U.S. Senate from, from Republican to Democrat with a 50-50 um, um, uh, split. And the vice president, of course, cast the tie-breaking. And that changed those two elections, in addition, of course, to President Biden, who was adamantly for pension legislation. That gave us this opportunity to save the retirement benefits of our hardworking uh, retirees and, and those who are going to be retiring in the next years. So 
it was a, a coming together of labor, uh, of, of legislation and politics, unlike I've ever seen in my career, and to the benefit, to the benefit of working people. So good. All right, so you're saying this vote will be either tonight, tomorrow, or- Yeah, it's the, it, what happened, the, the House passed the American Recovery Plan, it went to the Senate, the Senate made a few changes to it, okay. um, and uh, with the pension language the same in both the House and the Senate, but some changes. So the bill then has to come back to the House because in order for it to work through reconciliation, the bills have to be identical. So okay. it's expected that the House that the House will vote on the Senate plan, um, and that's going to either get done tonight or uh, today or tomorrow. And our folks on the ground, we're so proud of our BCTGM members, our local officers and our members getting our, our people engaged and making those calls, sending the emails. It's extraordinary. That's the heart of the BCTGM political action program is our grassroots effort with our, with our members and our local officers. And we're very proud of that. We got to talk about the PRO Act. This is kind of our legislative priority all across the labor movement. Now, will you talk about some of the things that are in this bill that our members really need to know? Yeah, I, I, the PRO Act, uh, first, again, another case, if we, if we get this through the House, which we did last year, and of course it went to die in Mitch McConnell's Senate, now we have a different Senate, and we're going to figure out a way to get it done. As President Trump has said recently, we will figure out how to get this through the United States Senate. It is monumental legislation that will change the entire dynamics of organizing in this country. It will help level the playing field. It will help protect workers from companies, harassment, coercion, surveillance, all of the despicable activities that employers do to try and force workers not to join the union, ending captive audience meetings, ending right to work for less laws. And even when we are able to win an organizing campaign and the workers overcome the obstacles that the employers put in their way, all of the terrible activities that, that take place in the union busting lawyers and all that, even when they have the courage and vote for the union, employers will, will put off the contract and never give workers a chance to have a better life that comes with a collective bargaining agreement. This legislation will essentially force employers to the table and force a collective bargaining agreement to be realized for the workers. This is groundbreaking legislation. It is what we've been fighting for. Labor law reform, we've been fighting for since 1978, because since the National Labor Relations Act in the 1930s, everything has been tilted to the employers. And we know that workers want to join a union, and they would if they weren't fearful of getting fired, being harassed, coerced, or having their job moved threats of plant closures. So that's that. this is the magnitude of this incredible legislation. But again, we may not even be having this conversation if we didn't win those elections in Georgia. Yeah. John, will you speak on behalf of organizing regarding some of the stuff that Harry said? Sure. Harry hit it uh, right on the head. I mean, the PRO Act uh, basically, the National Labor Relations Act, the way it was when it was originally passed, worked. And then you had the Taft-Hartley Act that basically that amendment flipped it on its head and started right to work for less states. Each uh, uh, anti-union person that was elected to office, uh, let me just give you an example. The Trump board, for example, had a guy by the name of Peter Robb, who was the general counsel for the board. 
Um, had Biden not won the election, where Rob was moving some of his laws, where I'm at right now, I'm negotiating the first contract for 87 Danone workers in Brinson, New Jersey. And that's because we had a neutrality agreement that we negotiated with the company. Whereas they remain neutral and just let the employees themselves decide whether they wanted to be in the union or not. Peter Robb, he wanted to make that illegal, make it unlawful for recognition or even unlawful for a company to remain neutral. When we all know that, you know, this has nothing to do with management. This is an employee's right, whether they want to form a union. And uh, as Harry said, under the PRO Act, it also guarantees that a first contract will be done. Uh, we've seen some lousy employers, even when the uh, employees, you know, face down their fears and, and win their election, the employer or their representatives come in and surface bargain for a full year and uh, continue to harass the people to where they can decertify or withdraw recognition. This is an uphill battle, uh, again, to what Harry said and, and to what you were pointing out, too. Hey, look, at I think we have a couple of Republicans that may be on this bill, but this is, this is something that's probably going to take 60 votes. So we're absolutely going to need Republicans. And we need everybody, uh, everybody listen to this podcast and everybody they know to, to make sure that they get involved with getting this PRO Act passed. The common theme through this is that these things are not possible without the work of labor through each of these elections. So we're gonna kind of switch gears now and go to David Driscoll Knight to talk about the strategy of labor in order to make sure that we have the people in place to make these things possible. Great, I just wanna say thank you to, to you, Harry. Uh, you're a good friend, someone who has been an advocate for the uh, Federation program. And I also wanna say on behalf of President Trumpka, thank you to Anthony Shelton for his leadership in the political programs that we operate. And just, just thank you. Many of you all know how our federation program moves. It mostly has to do with executing, you know, local union mail is one major piece. There have been studies done that I've seen where people take a look at their mail and they've got mail from bill collectors, from their bank, bills from their energy company, and they sort through it and they open up their local union mail. This is an extraordinary piece of power that a local union president has with their local union members. And, you know, we in, in Georgia had over 91% of the local union members in the state receiving local union mail. And the BCTGM the locals in the state did an extraordinary job of working uh, to execute that and was, was really helpful. And then additionally, we provide as a federation the opportunity to make phone calls to not just individual unions, but to every union member in the state. And it's because of the leadership of President Trumpka and the executive council of the AFL-CIO that we've been able to drive uh, programs that have to do with communicating with union members. And from worksite visits to local union mail to door knocks at their front door, the union movement in Georgia did their job. And not only did they do their job, and I haven't seen this in the, the, the decade that I've been doing political action with the labor movement, I haven't seen the labor movement be a part of bridging so many organizations. 
from the America Votes Table. You know, the America Votes Table coordinates you know, a bunch of different groups that are responsible for door knocking, phone banking, uh, et cetera, communicating with members. Then there's the labor movement program where we're communicating with union members and union leaders. And then on top of that, we actually bridged from that to groups that weren't even a part of the America Votes Table. So we, the Federation served as a bridge and like a connector to all of the groups in Georgia. And I just have to say that this is one of the best programs I've been a part of. I have to say that we couldn't have done it without everyone doing the work. And this, the end of this, we talked about a great, you know, with, with several individuals I've spoken that like, if everyone does their role, in a political program, we can win. And I want to take an opportunity to, you know, our brother Richard Womack, who's the assistant to the President Trumpka, was was coordinating all these groups. You know, there's an element of accountability. You have to make sure that you're getting reports and making sure that, you know, the investment that you put into a program yields fruit. And Richard Womack is responsible for driving the entire program with community and constituency groups in the state of Georgia. And I have to say thank you to everyone on the phone. And I want to just give Brother Womack an opportunity to talk about, you know, the work that that was done in the community. Thank you, David. Um, I also want to thank Harry and Michelle for pulling this together. I want to first start off by saying I have to thank President Richard Trumpka for investing into our constituency groups. We have six constituency groups. One, which is the oldest one, is the A. Philip Randolph Institute. We also have Apollo, which is the Asian Pacific American Labor Alliance, CBTU, which is a coalition of black trade unions, as well as LACLA, which is the Labor Council for Latin American Advancement. We also have CLUE, which is the Coalition of Labor Union Women, and we also have Pride at Work. These six constituency groups are affiliates of the AFL-CIO. And we have a lot of union members, including BCT-GM, that are members of these constituency groups. And what they do is like a bridge from labor to the community. They help to interact with one another, and we communicate back and forth to talk about various issues and legislation that is very supportive of community as well as labor. So having said that, President Trump realized the importance of that election in Georgia. He invested with programs as well as financial support to our constituency groups, which partner with community organizations there on the ground in Georgia, who was already doing great work. Uh, we had some groups there that we partnered with, is such as Georgia Stand Up with um, Stacey Abrams, um, Pro Georgia, which was Deborah Scott, uh, the People's Agenda, uh, which was Helen Butler. We also partnered with the with the clergy, the Black Clergy Alliance. We coming together with those groups, along with our constituency groups, did some dynamic work, which I have not seen in a long time with them coming together. No one took a 
personal ownership, but it was a collective effort where all of them played the part and they all took the ownership together. And having said that, they worked together to do massive phone banks. I mean, they were just constantly, every day on the phones, constantly making phone calls. We have heard some residents there said that, hey, well, we received probably like three or four phone calls. Um, not only was phone calls made to union members, it was made to community people as well. Also, there was thousands of postcards, handwritten postcards that went out to the community. And that was like a personal effect. It wasn't like a stamped postcard, but it was an actual handwritten postcard where people did get their got their attention and did read those postcards. These groups also went out to the malls, was doing leaflets at the malls in the uh, mall parking lots, giving away food, um, giving away literature, reminding them, hey, how important this election is to vote. Um, they were doing door knocking, but they did it very safely when they could. Uh, President Trump could provided masks for everyone, for even the union volunteers, community volunteers. We made sure that everyone had masks on and made sure they take, took proper precaution. But during that pandemic, they did not let them stop them. They continued to find ways to reach the community and reach labor to get the message out. They have done like enormous rallies. They have also did uh, the sound trucks going up and down the streets every evening until you knew that there was something happening in Georgia. And they got so much attention that everyone became together and, and formed a coalition. And they would meet every night to go over and debrief and talk about what areas we need to hit. And all these groups took their areas. They had divided it up and would come back and talk about where we need to hit more at. They did a very good voter registration drive um, that really helped make a difference. You had a lot of young people who never voted before. And a lot of young people who registered to vote which really helped make the difference in this election. Because I'm reminded of a story. It was a young man who was 25 years old. He never been involved in politics. He never voted. This is his first time voting that Tuesday. He said, because of the constant drumbeat, the sound trucks up and down the streets, the constant phone calls he received, the mailing and the postcards that he received, he knew that he must register and he knew he had to vote. And we say that when labor comes together and the community come together and the religious component comes together, we can make that difference. When I was meeting with the clergy, the clergy had in their billboards, they had a message talking about voting, why it's important to vote. The ministers came together and agreed that in their sermons, they were going to talk about the election and talk about voting. They also did a phone bank to their members. And they had over 500,000 people collectively just within the ministerial alliance. So with all that efforts, I say this, that when labor come together, community and the clergy come together, we win. During this election, we changed the face of America. We have shaped our future and the direction we're going. And I believe that Harry stated, because of this, now we have the opportunity to change legislation in the Senate. And we can continue to do that. 
It's because of labor and community. So we must continue to fight and continue to stick together. So I want to tell you, I appreciate your leadership and the part that BCTGM has played in this election as well. And I want to thank President Shelton for his leadership. And we can want to continue to work together with you. So we thank you. And anytime you need us, we'll be there for you. Thank you, Richard. So good. One thing that I want to add, just as a just as a, a, a very short piece, is that uh, we're looking at Georgia and the election in Georgia and how we replicate that in other states. And how do we win in places where we have an uphill battle? And Georgia is a place where we defied the odds. And the only way we would have been successful here was a full unity of coalition and the labor movement. And now we're gonna have pension reform. There is a great deal of things that are gonna happen over the course of the next two years that are gonna directly benefit union members. And the power that we have when we are one is so valuable. This is our bread and butter. And I have to say, you know, the BCTGM was there. And I just want to say thank you for everything that, that you and the leadership have done to support the effort. Thanks, guys. Going on to the community part of this, the reason we have Margaret McLaughlin on and Jared Cummings is because they were two people from our union who spent their time down there, boots on the ground, did the work. So I just want to talk to each of them really quickly and uh, like any stories that you have from the ground, anything that you can contribute as far as the attitude down there, what you saw. And I'm going to start with Jared. What can you add? Well, you know, like everybody said, and and I'm sure everybody was really surprised by the fact that uh, Joe Biden actually squeezed out a win in uh, Georgia to begin with. And uh, I can remember being asked to go down and help out down there and the whole ride down thinking, you know, it's hard enough to flip one seat. Are we going to be able to flip two seats? But once you got down there and you saw the energy and the effort going on there, you just knew that if, if we did lose this, it was not going to be for lack of effort. I mean, really, it was, it was an impressive display of cooperation. It really was. We did a lot of phone banking, text banking, canvassing, which, by the way, Margaret's a wizard at. So <laughs> it was it was day in and day out. And every organization had something going on. The, the labor building that we were working out of, the minute you would get there, there were cars being pulled up. There were signs. There was people picking up literature. Um, it was it was impressive, to say the least. Awesome. All right, Margaret, what about you? Sure. Yeah, I completely agree with everything Jared said. It really was like the energy. Um, I'm a little bit of a cynic, you know, I you know, I don't want to get my hopes up. But when you were there, we went to a rally where both of the candidates, now senators, uh, spoke at the North Georgia AFL-CIO. It was so powerful and moving that, you know, it's it was hard not to get caught up in it. And you know, we had to come back for the holidays and leave Georgia. And, you know, we had our, I know I had my fingers crossed the whole time. And the lovely thing about 
moving to more online things is that I was able to come home and I still like text banked for the campaigns and I was able to phone bank. And so it's a really silver lining to the COVID situation. One story I want to tell is we were doing lit drops. So it's not really door knocking because you're not actually knocking on a door and having a conversation because we wanted to do distanced information sharing. But I was dropping off literature at a house and there a car pulls into the driveway. So I, I had just put the, of the flyer in the door, in the doorway and I was leaving and the woman, an older woman gets out of the car and she was like, Oh, are you here with the, with the elections? And I was like, yep, I'm, I'm here, you know, volunteering with the North Georgia AFL. And she's like a son and a daughter. And she was like, I got them registered. We all voted. This is on, we're doing this. Like I talked to all of my neighbors and it just like, gave me so much energy for the rest of the day. And it really, I mean, I'm just so grateful because it, it really does meet, make all the difference in terms of winning this legislation that can strengthen our pension and strengthen our union and all of our unions and the labor movement in the United States. Yeah, Michelle, if I could just add real quickly, you know, when, when we saw the Georgia specials and what the opportunities might be, President Shelton made a decision that we, the BCTGM was going to be all in on this. And, and he assigned Vice President Zach Townsend to coordinate the work that was done on the ground, with Margaret and Jared, um, and did a great job. Uh, and uh, Daryl Copeland, who is a, a, a business organizer, business agent for our international union, couldn't be on the call today as Zach, he and Zach had other, other assignments and obligations today. But uh, it really was uh, it really was a great coordinated effort from the BCTGM standpoint. And uh, but as I said, when President Shelton saw what the opportunities were, he said, "We're all in." The BCTGM is going to do its part as part of the great labor team, and it was it was very exciting. And and hearing the reports, talking to, to Margaret and Jared, you know, while I was in Washington, and hearing the on the ground reports from Daryl. It was just so exciting talking to David, uh, you know, during this, this thing and Richard. Uh, you could almost feel it through the phone lines. Um, so I can only imagine what it was like on the ground for everybody. So, that's um, but that's how we do it in our union. That's how the BCTM, yeah. it's, it's, it's a grassroots effort, but starts with our strong leadership and our executive officers. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this today. We, I think that we've covered a lot of ground here and I really appreciate you guys taking the time. I don't want to leave today without telling you a couple of calls to action on the PRO Act. We do have a phone number that you can call your representatives. Uh, It's 866-832-1560 and tell them to vote yes for the PRO Act. We also have an online resource through the BCTGM, which is at bctgm.org forward slash PRO Act. We've got flyers there, social media graphics, uh, bullet points, fact sheets, everything you can think of, as well as a a real-time blog with updates on what's happening. So do that. Uh, Thank you guys again for doing this. I just want to say thank you to the leadership of the BCTGM again. I'm happy to be here. If there's ever anything that I can do to be helpful, please let me know. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Michelle, for pulling this together. Very, very great stuff. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see. Thank you. If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org.